on making it in the boardroom. The boardroom is a highly desirable place. After a successful executive career, many wish to embark on a portfolio career and serve on boards. Programs have been created and sprung up all over the world that promise participants a seat at the table. Not all make it, and many of those participating in these programs are disappointed. However, if you know the right headhunters and you have good relationships, your chances increase. What does it take to make it in the boardroom? I'm delighted to talk with Imram Salim. Imram works as an executive search consultant with one of the most highly rated firms in executive search and leadership advisory, Egon Sender. He's in the Middle East. He enjoys solving challenging client issues in this dynamic region and finds creating meaningful change energizing. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of Better Boards. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at Better Boards is to contribute to creating better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. Better Boards clients have access to an innovative digital platform that provides data and comparisons on all dimensions of effective boards and can be used as part of a fully facilitated external or for internal evaluations. To fulfill our mission, we give a voice to all who care about creating better boards. Imran, thank you so, so much for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series. Delighted to be here, Sabine. We are delighted to have you. Now, the title of this podcast is On Making It in the Boardroom. You belong to a firm that has a top client list and is trusted by placing people on the board globally. I mean, you're one of the preeminent firms. Many candidates are dying to get your attention. So let's jump in and get started. Let's start right there. Who actually gets your attention? It's a great question. And the simple answer is the needs are normally driven by the client, but perhaps I could categorize two groups of people that get our attention and then uh, ideally put them on boards. The first are really, you know, who they are, right? For example, it could be specific requirements. For example, boards are striving for diversity, perhaps women, or people who are ethnically interesting. For example, if boards are looking for more representation or specific geography or cluster, they would ask for people coming either from Asia, North America, depending on the strategy that they want to look into. In the Middle East, there's probably a third category, which is connectivity. As you know, most of the businesses here are either government-related or family businesses. So connectivity within the right circles does make a difference. So that's the first, I would say, the first group of people on who they are. The second is what have they done and what wisdom they can bring to the board. So this is probably, I would say, the second group of people. In this area, we find individuals who normally come with experiences either as a CEO or as a CFO normally excel. And perhaps if you allow me, Sabine, I will elaborate on this one. Yeah, please do. So relevant CEOs or CFOs, what we find is that CFOs specifically, they normally bring a lot of credibility in terms of strong financial acumen, understanding of risk, understanding broader strategy, investment, M&A. And so the breadth of knowledge that they bring to the table is quite relatable to the breadth of what is required on a board. In addition, they make good candidates either as chair of the audit or for the audit and risk committees. 
CEOs bring a different profile, right, which is equally interesting. They're people who have seen the movies of the host companies, either where the host companies today or where they aspire to be. And they can empathize with the existing CEOs and the C-suite in understanding what the company is going through. For example, companies can go through technology changes or transformation. They can go from a geographical or a matrix structure. They can move from a regional or business line structure. So as people go through those, it really depends on the experiences that they want to bring. But the relevance on where the host company sits today and more importantly, where it aspires to go, I think that's really where the second group adds value. So who you are and the wisdom you bring, I would say, are the two people who bring. I mean, you're in the Middle East, I'm sitting here in London, and I see a lot of people who are partners of large professional service firms. Let's start with the partners of large professional service firms. You just singled out CEOs, CFOs. Do partners of professional service firms, law firms, audit firms, do they have a chance as well or not really? They do. Uh, they absolutely, everyone has a chance, Depend it, but it depends on either the experience or the wisdom they bring to the table. When you talk about operating CEOs, CFOs, or operating companies, they bring dynamics which are, are perhaps a little bit deeper than peer services. So when you're looking at people who are coming from a pure services background without operational experience, they are very good candidates, but the boards may be looking for people with more operational insight. So let's say, okay, they have now your attention. You have to get to know them. How do they now make it on a long list? Roughly, they have your attention, but now you need to put them on a slide to present a long list to a client. Uh, it's a great question. So, you know, we've been in the region for over 25 years. I've personally been with Econ Center for over 16 years now. And I think the one thing I've learned is that the decision to move the candidate from a long list to the short list is not always rational, right? <laughs> uh, a number of factors come into play. It's, it's visualizing a candidate on a piece of paper and perceptions can come in, clients feeling on a specific company or year or their understanding of what the company did comes into play. And so it is really an art. But what I think when you do get on a long list, being an advisor to a client is super important. More specifically, when we put people on a long list, it's because we believe that the candidate can deliver, right? They have the ability to be an effective board member. It is for us to then fight for them to get on the short list. In addition, as Egon Zender and as consultants personally, we also have a reputation for lateral thinking. We need to be brave in our suggestions. So we don't just want to give the cookie cutter board member who's done the same thing in another company, but we want to be creative in our solutions. And we want to be articulate in our advocacy for unusual backgrounds. So taking people from the long list to the short list is our job. Getting on the long list, Sabine, to your question is making sure that when people are interested in getting on boards is to connect with us and really take the time and allow us to get to know them. Because the better we know them, the better we can represent them. Makes sense. And now let's take it to the next step. Yeah. The candidate is now selected. Finally, they secured a seat on the desired table. And now, of course, they wish to have a positive impact. And if at all possible, they want to build a portfolio of board roles. Let's face it, they don't just want to sit on one board. 
What does it take really to make it in the boardroom? Can you describe the know-how characteristics of people you have seen who really then also succeed in the boardroom? It's a very interesting question. And I think different boards will have different success factors. I mean, obviously different requirements. If you're government-related entity board versus a family board or public listed board, each one comes with nuances. But there is probably an overarching fact uh, or overarching behavior that is important. And I, I would probably say that the board member needs to develop a reputation for asking good questions versus giving good answers. Let me perhaps elaborate on that, if you allow. So when management go to board meetings, they should embrace the opportunity to be in the room with board members, not dread that they have to go to a board meeting. So what should the board members be looking for? What are they adding to the board? They need to help the company avoid traps. They need to help the management look around corners. They need to make the management think big, dream larger, be ambitious. And they need to do that by asking the right questions. They should not be the ones giving the answers. They should be giving great guidance, but management should be coming up with the answers. I mean, that's sometimes difficult, I have seen. You described CEOs, CFOs, they are used to come up with the answers. It's very difficult for some to step into a different role here, isn't it? To really be hands-off and not overstep management. Yes, I mean, it is. And, and that's why when you ask about what are the characteristics of what makes a great board members, not everyone becomes a good, great yeah. board member. But the people who do are the ones that are guiding by questions and allowing the management to come up with the right answers. So giving them the right insight and guidance. And do you see you're successfully operating in the Middle East? Do you see that there are differences between the regions in the world? So would a successful board member who sits on maybe some FTSE boards automatically make it in your region? I think uh, it's a very interesting question and perhaps There's probably a couple of ways we can answer that, Sabine. I think FTSE and DAX are important areas that we always look for, for when we're looking for board members. Perhaps it's less where the companies are listed, but more how the companies operate. So if, for example, you have a company which is a UK company only focused on the UK, it'll be probably too narrow for us here in the region. UK or any global company which has a global presence, has worked in emerging markets, has done the work in different geographies, and they can bring different insights and experiences, they will definitely be relevant board members for us. The boards in the region are getting increasingly sophisticated because of the demands and the aspirations of the companies underneath them. The, both the government entities, government-related entities, as well as family businesses have global aspirations today. So demand for good board members is extremely high. What that means is that board members really need to bring good judgment that has been tested in prior boards or tested in the prior executive roles, right? And success in the boardroom comes where they can display this good judgment, either on hard items, for example, investments in companies, Should they or should they not make investments in companies, go to specific regions, do an M&A or not do an M&A, go public to private or the other way around, or soft items like giving feedback to the chair if they're too dictatorial, 
give feedback to the management in a soft way that encourages them to do the right thing. These are not easy behaviors, but if you're asking what they're looking for, that's probably one of the things that they would look for. Culture obviously plays a big factor in the region. There is a a Middle East culture, more specifically a GCC culture that people need to respect and aspire. What boards and companies are looking for are people who bring international thinking, international best practice. And of course, keeping that in mind that boards and family businesses sometimes have unclear boundaries between ownership, status, the ultimate shareholders, the boards, and the management. And that is something that board members need to be able to operate, whereas in some of the Western boards, those lines are very clear. Coming more to the hard things now, in our evaluations, we see over and over again that the composition of boards is at present not necessarily aligned with the strategy. There are so many new know-how areas, as we know, ESG, sustainability, cybersecurity, digitization, you name it. It's in the strategy, but not necessarily featured on the CVs of the board members. So how can this be bridged in your experience? It's a great question. Let me answer them in different pieces and then we can come together. Look, I mean, our view at Egon Zender is that the company should never hire a board director when a consultant or an advisor can do the job. What I mean by that is don't hire a director to fill one role. Board seats should be precious. And board members need to be relevant for a majority of the topics that come to the board, not a specific topic. So if you need specialist insights, you can always hire an advisor, a manager. You can create a sideshow or an advisory board to the main board. But the main board should constitute, our belief is that the main board should be representative people who can talk along around breadth. The topics you've raised, Sabine, are today ESG, you know, digitalization, tomorrow maybe a completely yes. different set of topics. Yes. So for example, going back to the CEO, CFO, or other people coming with the right qualifications on the board are probably more relevant than someone who's got a narrow focus in digital. Of course, that may change if it's a technology company, right? So if it's a specific technology company doing something very specific, then it's a different conversation. But in general, you'd want someone with a breadth of knowledge and wisdom versus a narrow set of wisdom. So the role of the board, going back to the questions and asking the right question is not, do we have a tech person on the board? You know, how do we know that we have the best CIO or a chief digital officer running this company? How do we know that we have the right ESG strategy and the person doing it in the management is the right person? Those are the questions the board should be aspiring to ask. Oh, fantastic. I mean, that adds definitely to the discussions that I currently see on many boards. Sadly, we have to come to an end. And it's always the same question at the end of our podcast. (laughs) You alluded to so many elements. What are the three things our listeners should take away from this podcast? I guess it depends. If you are looking for a board member or aspiring to be a board member, I think good judgment always comes into play, right? So make sure that you practice good judgment. I think bring the level of curiosity and insight to ask the right question versus giving answers. And hire always to fill a seat that can contribute to a broader board across a variety of topics. And hire consultants. We need specific expertise. Imran. Fantastic. Thank you. That was a great summary. 
Imran, really very much appreciate your contribution. Thank you so, so much for contributing to the Better Bots podcast series. Thank you so much. Take care. As always, please do not hesitate to get in touch if you would like to learn about our work or book a demo for the Better Bots board evaluation platform. You can best reach us at info at better-boards.com. Thank you for listening.